Hey y'all, welcome to a Mindless Morning Show special interview. Sit back and relax with your hosts, Nick and Josh. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Mindless Morning Show. Today our special guest is David Rabati. He is an author, he's a journalist, he's published a book called How I Lost My Mind and Found Myself, which is a badass title. I, I really like that title. He lost his mind to find himself. And now he's here on the Mindless Morning Show. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we're really thankful that you're here, man. So how, how, how are you? I'm doing well. I actually just landed. I was in DR for the weekend. Nice. Um, so I was like hurrying up from the airport and my friends wanted to go grab drinks. I was like, no, I have to go do an interview right now. I don't have time. So um, where in DR did you did you go? Uh, Putacana. That's a good place. That, uh, oh. So that's actually the only place out of the country I've ever been. And I oh, stayed really? at the Grand Ven- Ventana Hotels. Beautiful hotel. Um, great time. Great, A lot of the great things I, to do. I, ha- I had such an amazing time. And we did those, you know, the ATVs. Yeah. Those, uh, but then we, they call them the boogies. And I, we, it, we signed up for ATVs, but then they gave us boogies. And I crashed it. Like as soon as I turned to follow the the path where, that we were gonna take, I crashed and it was the scare. I saw my life flash before me. It was so Holy crazy. So I, I was like, crash. "Oh my god!" And my friend was like, "Press the brakes, the brakes!" And I'm pressing gas and I'm going right into a ditch. It was so crazy. Oh, no. oh wow. so I, I have to ask because this is actually really funny to me, if, if, especially if this was the exact same excursion that you, uh, we we had done. Is there like a nice, good hill that you go down at one point? Yes, yes, there's <laughs> a hill. And then they took us to a, um, they took us to the beach and then to a place where they make coffee and then to a cave. Okay, yeah, and, that's exactly um, the same excursion I did. So I know exactly what you did, and that's really awesome. Wow. Um, and I'll tell you what, on those that buggy thing, it was absolutely terrifying because I didn't find out my buggy didn't have any brakes. Like it didn't work. The brake didn't work. The wire was like snapped until I was going down that hill, this really long steep hill. <laughs> and oh my I, god, I was scared for my life too. And like oh afterwards, like and I we stopped it because I was like, Hey, listen, like I, I don't have a break. And so like, we, we lost it. We lost our mind. We were going out of control. And, uh, Oh my God. I mean, needless to say, they brought us another boogie that had, actually had a break. Well, I, um, I messed up our boogie because I, the gear to push down would automatically stop it. Cause I was having the same problem. Like I was pressing brakes, but it wasn't stopping. So I would just <sighs> press the gear while I was still oh, pressing no. on the brakes and then I kind of messed it up. So the guy got mad. He's like, if this doesn't work, you're going to have to pay for this. Oh my and God. I was like, oh, yeah, like the brakes and the, even the other boogie they put us in that same problem with the brakes. I'm like, I don't understand this. It's so dangerous. There were no seatbelts. Yeah. And it's I was just so scared for my life the whole time. It's so janky. <laughs> Honestly, it's something we should have never done. Because <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> they, they weren't like, there's no regulations whatsoever. They just like, yeah, it, it's, it's insane. But that's actually really cool that, uh, to know that. <laughs> I, I also did, um, I, my problem is I fear speed. Like I don't like to speed because if it's like, I like to be in control, 
but if I speed, there's just something like I shut down. Like I don't, I hate it. That's why I don't like skiing because it's like when I'm going a certain speed, it's like I get so fearful. I'm going to lose control. Yeah. So we're, we're on this fast boat and I'm driving and I'm speeding and I'm like, this is so crazy. Like, I don't like speed, but I didn't mind it. I was like, take control of your life, David, take control of your life. <laughs> and, and then the guy, the, the, um, tour guide is telling me to make like a U uh, 360 or is it 180? A full circle is 360, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, he's like, do a 360, like go around, go around. And then my friends are like, don't do it. Don't do it. Oh and then God. I'm like, I'm not going to risk it because they were like, we're going to fall off the boat if you do it. You ever, but it, it was a fun video? trip. I'm glad I went. Yeah. You ever seen that video of all the people on the boat? They're like, dude, dude. The video with the boogies, they, they videoed us when we crashed. So it was hilarious. Like we got to see our facial expressions. And my friend that was sitting next to me was like, she's like, dude, I thought I died. No. Like it was so crazy. Did you do zip lining at all? No, I I've done zip lining in Costa Rica, uh, Costa Rica, but I didn't want to do it um, again. Oh, okay. Yeah, Especially like, if it's the same area, they may like, yeah, this harness. I don't know. <laughs> you can no, try it, but I'll, I'll tell you what, zip lining was really fun in DR because you you went down different platforms of uh, I think it's called Isabella Mountain. It's like their tallest mountain there. It's really pretty. Yeah. Scary. No, I opted out on it. Um, (laughs) You guys are making me realize I have no life. (laughs) I haven't done any. (laughs) Yeah, that's literally the one and only thing I've ever done out of the United States. So, like, that that's why I'm just so absolutely ecstatic that, like, I happen to, like, know you now that has had the exact same experience and can connect and know what you did. That's so cool. It was insane. It's so funny how people in other countries, like in in the United States, we're so strict about seatbelts and like stops. Like they're oh, like yeah. they're just they have this carefree attitude, and they're like, ah, who cares? Like, like ah, no like, break, oh, whatever. Bed rock and then style. they're like, <laughs> they're like, you don't need seatbelts. It doesn't matter. I'm like, are they serious right now? Like. <laughs> like I mean, the least they could do is take like a bungee cord and like hook it over here. (laughs) (laughs) And they don't even do that. They don't. Don't they get a lot of tourists? Yeah, but you're signing waivers to sign your life away and just like do whatever. It doesn't matter. That's crazy. And they give you such a hard time too. Like, oh man, it was insane. But still, you know, the funny thing is the the. The, the staff, like the waiters and waitresses, um, you know, it's all you can eat and it's like buffet. So they were like coming to us and giving us all these shots. And then they were inviting us out to go to the clubs with them because though the clubs and bars were closed um, at the resorts, but there's this one club that was opened. Um, it was like 20 minutes away from the hotel. And they were telling us like come with us come with us so we went with them and we're like they're so nice and then at the end they're like okay you're gonna give us some money <laughs> like yeah we, uh, we thought they're being friendly and stuff and they're like all right we took this time you're gonna give us some money now wow um, i mean it's crazy though because we went on a tour where we had to like we kind of like got a an idea of their village and how they lived and like we saw like the poverty that they were under and like, I was just wanting to hand money to them. And they were telling me strictly that is completely prohibited to, like, because it, it sets off the economy or something. And I was just like, 
Yeah, whatever. So anytime I was like crowded with all the kids, I was just like hand, handing out dollar bills secretly when Aww. I was like crouched down. Like, here, guys, take them. <laughs> yeah. One one of the kids asked my friend for her necklace because we like we have no money on us. We didn't have money on us. We had like our cards, but we didn't really take a lot of cash with us. Yeah, and they're like they're like oh peso peso or what um asking for like dollars or whatever and then they're like we're like we don't have it then they go to my friend could i have your necklace i was dying i was like that's funny but you know what's crazy um their um their their shifts like the hotel people like the waiters and staff they work 12 days straight yeah. And then have three days off. So they sleep at the hotel, too, because a lot of them travel like an hour away from the ho- resort. But I'm like, it's crazy. They have to work for 12 straight days and then get three days off. I'm not going to lie. I appreciated that for one sole reason, because I was there for a whole like week. So I got familiar with one staff member in particular for about two and a half days where I felt comfortable enough to say, hey. Oh, I'm glad where, it was worth it for you, Josh. Where, where can I get the drugs? <laughs> yeah, cause, well, you know, I'm in a totally different country. So I was like, where can I get the drugs? And he's like, oh, I got you, man. And I was like, all right, here's some money. You know, I, I, I trust it. I let it be. And then next day he comes back with like a fat ass fucking bag. And I was like, how much money did I give you? <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> so, I mean, it was garbage, but it was good. It it, yeah. it it did its job, but when I'm fucking cross country, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, oh, D- DR is a beautiful place, and uh, I, I will say, uh, we I won't get on to it too much. Actually, I'll just stop right here. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you, you you have an amazing story, um, and, and I'd like you to share a little bit about that and like how you came to be the the author you are now. So um, the interesting thing is, is I never. I never thought that I would write a book. Um, and I lived most of my life up until I, I was 30 in a lot of fear because I'm Middle Eastern and I was gay. So I suppressed my sexuality for a long time. Yeah, And there were no examples for me. There was like no one that I could turn to and like open up to them and let them know what I'm going through. And I, at a very young age, learned that if you were gay, it's disgraceful. It's an embarrassment. Um, and then religion, oh, you're going to rot in hell. And I'm like, all this craziness. And it wasn't until I had, um, a psychotic episode where I was able to, in the middle of the psychotic episode, I came out because I thought I was being filmed and I thought that they already knew. So I didn't, and I, now mind you, I had no idea I had bipolar disorder. So I had weeks of high energy and then low energy. And I thought that was something everyone experienced. I had no idea. Like I was 30 years old. I went to college. I was very productive. I I had no idea I had bipolar disorder. And I learned the hard way. And what what bothers me to this day and what kind of makes me upset is that I went to a doctor when I was 29 years old and I wanted to lose 10 pounds. So he goes, oh, here's Adderall. Now, I thought Adderall was just an appetite suppressant. Oh, I didn't shit. know it was for ADHD. It's like so med. that drug yeah. worsens the condition of people that are bipolar. So because I was taking that drug, it put me in a psychotic 
mind frame. Like I was like delusional. So um, it brought out psychosis. So I came out and then three days later, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and bipolar one. And um, it was a hard pill to swallow. And then especially for my family, but then my family, they were relieved. My parents were like, oh, he's not really gay. He just has this mental illness that makes him think he's gay. I was wondering. No, that's not it. Like, I'm gay and this is my reality. And it was just, it was very, um, it, it was very, I felt a lot of shame and I felt like I let them down, like my parents. But I realized I was hurting myself living a lie. And there's a quote that I have that I said, live to be yourself or die as someone else. And I learned the hard way that we have one life to live. And why do you want to, like, I, my heart goes out to people that still live a double life or are embarrassed or are too scared to come out. And um, I knew that, and that's why I wrote the book. I knew that I needed to be an example for someone else. I needed to be someone that, is out and is proud and is living their life and has mental illness. And I want to make mental illness look so good that everyone wants it. Like, I, I hate yeah. the stigma that happens with bipolar disorder or like, oh, they're crazy. And the reality is bipolar disorder is a mood disorder. You're either manic or you're in a deep depression. Yeah. And there's medication that can level you out and you can mm-hmm. live a productive life. So that's what I've been doing. Um, I have no shame in letting people know that I take medication. It took a long time for me to be comfortable with myself and accept the fact because I was angry. I was angry at the doctor that gave me Adderall. Like I was like, why would they give a a drug for ADHD to someone to lose weight? Like, I don't understand why he did that. (laughs) Well, yeah, he's he's no longer my doctor. (laughs) And, um, it's, it's like, but to this day, I still feel like my life would have been so different if I never took Adderall. I probably would have just had bipolar 2, which is a lot more manageable than bipolar 1, because bipolar 1 is when you have features of like, um, it's like schizoaffective where you can hallucinate or... Um, see things that are well i didn't see things thank god or hear voices that didn't happen to me but i just thought i was being filmed so i thought i had my own reality show and that everyone knew me and that i was going to be the president of the united states like all these grandiose thoughts um and but you know what i probably who knows if i would have came out if i didn't have the psychotic episode that was my next question is is were you thinking about coming out at all before you did? You know, before I did, I was trying to get comfortable with myself and accepting it for me. Right. And I kind of wanted to meet other people that were gay so I could feel like I have someone I can relate to. And just mm-hmm. in case I was disowned or whatever, yeah. like I just wanted to have a support group. Yep. Um, but I was thinking about it. And I was thinking like, David, you need to live your truth. And it, the one person that's the most important person to me in my life is my mom. And I just, she's a diabetic. And I used to fear that if I tell her this, it's going to Skype her oh, sugar levels yeah. and that she may get oh, sick. God. And like, so that I really, and I have a relative who 
I guess he didn't realize what an idiot he was to say this. He goes, didn't you think about your mom before you came out? How could you do that to her? And I felt like, what an idiot. Like, why would you hit below the belt that way? Are you crazy? That's that's the only person I thought about for the first 30 years of my life. And that that's one of the reasons why I didn't come out because I didn't want to embarrass her. I didn't want her to feel that shame. And I'm very fortunate to have the family that I have because it took a little time, but my mom has told me that she's accepts it and she understands and that she loves me. Good. My dad still has a difficult time with it. And um, I remember he gave me, he, he, I was very disappointed when he said this, but he was like, there's, cause he was like, there's no gay Arabs and this is not um, a part of our culture and you can't be. And I'm like, well, there is a gay Arab down here and I'm letting yeah. you know. But, yeah. but, but he was like, well, he goes, well, there's a dozen of you guys out there that he goes, but they get married and do that on the side. Why can't you do that? And I was so disappointed. I was like, he would rather me live yeah. a, li- a life of deceit and just like lies and not being honest. And I think it's so sad that sometimes people feel that they need to do what society's telling them or their family or religion because they don't want to bear their truth. So they get married and they have families, but have affairs on the side. And I'm like, I don't want that life. Yeah. I want That's to not for better. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's I, not better. That's- I just wanted to backtrack a little bit because you say you want to be a, an advocate for mental health. And that's great because there's a, a, a really bad stigmatism around oh, it. And But I will say, watching the commercials and medications, all those people in the commercials look like they're having a grand old time. I want those medications. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I, I want to ask, like, is your, are you of Muslim? Like, is your family Muslim? No, well, my, my parents come from Jordan. So Jordan is a Muslim country, but they're Orthodox Christian. Okay. So our religion is Christian. And I know it's like some people think like, oh, well, that's better than being Muslim because of how, I guess, drastic people are in the Muslim religion where how they have their wives covered up or their daughters or, you know, and the strictness of them not being able to work. And then Muslim men could marry up to five different women. And um, so it's religion is religion. And like um, they say in the Bible, it's an abomination to be gay, the act of being gay. And when I think of religion, like all religions, their message is the same. Love one another. And on Mm -hmm. judgment day, God will judge us. Right. So I don't understand why there's so much, I guess, racism or hate or violence. Like, we're all born sinners. Why is it so hard for people to just let people live their life the way they see fit and let God take care of them on judgment day? It's not your cross to carry. It's theirs. What, like what's the problem? Well, and that's too many bored Karens with nothing better to do in a sappy ass (laughs) life of their own. So they have to pick on others probably. It's just just so, it's just so disheartening. Like it's so crazy when I think about it. And like, I was just saying that people cherry pick a lot when it comes to like religion and stuff. They're like, well, you know, 
Because if people followed everything in the Bible, it seems like there would be some. Uh, we would have a very dis- boring world. Everybody follow everything. I'm not gonna lie. Sorry. <laughs> but you know, sometimes it contradicts itself. You know, when it when it says this is not right, but then it also says, but if people are doing this though, like even if it's not right or whatever, you should still love them like they're your neighbor and be cool with them. And people are just like, oh, I didn't hear that. Like, it's just crazy. It's it's it just baffles me. Like sometimes when I think about like the like the hate crimes that happen, or just because someone identifies with LGBTQ, like I, I don't understand why people th- feel they have the right to denounce them as a person and to have, I guess, this anger towards them. And I, I honestly feel like people that are so. Um, opinionated have so much fear and you know when people have uh, people fear what they don't know and i also feel like when people do these violent acts of um violence um i feel like it's because they're fighting it themselves yeah you know like yeah part of me feels like that's something that's within them and they probably are so angry so they just want to retaliate in a way that's really not fair to other people. Um, yeah. Confusion. But it's the world man. we're living in and it's crazy. Yeah. So I, I don't, I lived in fear for a long time and I chose, I chose not to live in fear anymore and to speak my truth. And I want to fight the stigma. I want to be an example and hopefully inspire others to be who they are and live their truth. And a lot of um, people have confided in me, especially in the Arab community, and told me how, and it's so humbling, that that they're like, you know, we feel so happy that you've done this, but they still have fear to do it themselves because of how strict their families are. and, And everyone's on their journey. And, you know, it's when the timing is right for people to come out, it'll be when they're ready. So it's all about timing and where people are in their lives. And sometimes, sometimes it's like you, if, when I, if I look back at it, I'm like, what kind of a story would I have had if I came out at 18, as opposed to when I did at 30, like, what? so it's like, I guess, you know, and I'm a firm believer in, in everything happens for a reason. And things happen mm-hmm. when you're ready. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I yeah, percent exactly. agree. Nicholas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we, 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 we had yeah. a we had a we had a debate and like a, like forever ago about that saying, but and I, I yeah, I, I, I agree. And what, what was it, a day in your life like trying to when, when you were keeping it un, under wraps when you were still like around your parents, living with your parents, and you weren't coming out then. How yeah. was it like trying to dodge been, all these different bullets? And about that, because so you're much. basically at that point fighting all of your your life's temptations. You know what I would do a lot when I was living at home with my family. I would listen to music a lot and just dance. And 
it was a way of me to release the stress and the anxiety that I was going through because I wasn't yeah, being yeah. truthful. So that was an outlet, like dancing. I talk about in the book, my cousin Sahir taught me how to belly dance. Mm-hmm. So she was, she was, she would babysit me and she would be belly dancing. And I just picked up on her because I was like two and three years old and I was just mimicking her. Yeah. So I learned, I learned to, to dance like her and to um, do things that, she was also like, they're, you know, they're very strict with their daughters, the Arabic parents. And sure. so she was doing that. It was a way for her to release her anxiety. So I ended up mimicking, I can't even say the word, <laughs> mimicking her. And um, so, and I was very vocal. I was very like, um, um, I was very in support of women and and helping them you know, have a say. And I was very like, I would argue with my dad a lot because, you know, he was strict with my sister and he was strict with my mom, but I would always defend my mom and sister. And I was always trying to um, defend and it was, I was always defending others. But when it came to me, I was just very suppressed with it. And I just didn't talk about it. And interestingly enough, when I got my first apartment, because, you know, in the Middle Eastern culture, they don't really let their kids just move out at 18 or or at 20-something and just live on their oh, own. Oh, wow. They have to get married, then move out. So it wasn't until mm. I was 25 and my parents were moving to Florida because two of my brothers opened up gas stations out there. So mm-hmm. I had a reason. I was like, I'm not leaving New York. So I was able to get my own apartment. But for I remember for the five years that I lived alone, I I lived as if I was still living with my parents. I didn't have guys come over. Oh wow! Um, I lived next door to my sister's in laws so I was always fearful, like, oh, if someone came over, they're watching. Yeah. So, like, I just it was crazy. I was still living as I, I was I was was living at home, like with that fear and that anxiety, and having to deal with bipolar disorder. Most people that have coming out stories, they're kind of horrific or they were disowned and they were kicked out of their homes. My coming out story is I moved back home because I had this condition now and I wasn't working. I wasn't making any money. So it was interesting that like, even though I wasn't accepted when I first came out, I still moved back home because my parents were getting older. Um, I, I was in a deep, deep depression that, I wasn't able to work. I was just so depressed. I didn't get out of bed for days sometimes. And um, like brushing my teeth and taking a shower, it was like I had to fight to do that for myself because I literally was like at rock bottom. And I've learned that because in the beginning, you know, when like no one, no one wants to take, medication or talk about taking medication um, for their mood disorder because they feel the shame or they feel the stigma. And mm-hmm. I, I started thinking, my mom and my dad are both diabetics. I was like, and they take insulin. I was like, they don't feel ashamed for taking insulin. And it's just something yeah. that levels out their sugar levels. And exactly. I'm, I'm like, so I don't have a problem with my sugar levels, but it's with my mood. So why do I have to feel ashamed for taking medication that that keeps my mood in balance? Uh, yeah. Balance. And 
I felt like like it, it it happened at a slow pace, but the more time went on, the more I started to feel comfortable. And then I decided I wanted to share my story. So I went to NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Health. And I go around um, with NAMI sharing my story to different universities. I speak to college students, hospitals, and different organizations. And I share my story about having mental illness. And it makes me feel good inside because- yes. It, like, I, I know that I'm helping educate people and understanding because the way the media centralize, centralizes, um, but like, mental illness, it's like they make it seem like, oh, they're crazy or they're yeah, like it's a like weakness. murderers. Like, it's it's insane. So, yeah. so it makes me feel good to share my story and to fight the stigma. And I think it is it Robin... The, you know that big motivational speaker? He's Rob, Robert um, Givens. Givens? I'm, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I, I'm messing up his name, but um, he's Tony, Tony Rubbins, I think it is. He said in one of his speeches, he said, because, you know, everyone's looking for happiness, right? So um, everyone wants to be happy. And then yeah. you like you learn like happiness is a choice or this or that. Or, or you think that if you set out goals and then you accomplish your goals, you get happiness. And people are finding out that they're still not happy. Or there's like A-list celebrities that exactly. have everything you can dream of and are still not happy and still commit suicide. And they so kill themselves. Said, yes, oh, exactly. So, so he said... The one thing that will give you happiness, and he guaranteed it, is helping others. He's like, helping others will give you a sense of happiness that is so amazing. And it's, and when he said it, I'm like, helping others. And I thought about that. And I'm like, so find, I, I will get happiness by helping others. And then it started to make sense to me. So now when I go around and, you know, I speak to the college students and then they want to talk to me in private because they want to ask questions or they're not really comfortable yes. talking about something they're probably experiencing. So it makes me feel good. And I was like, oh, that is true. I guess helping others really does make you feel good inside. That's awesome. So, so do you find that you have a lot of the, the younger generation like reaching out to you and, and confiding in you to for guidance? Yeah, like it's it's every university I've been to and I've shared my story. A lot of them are psychology classes that I speak for, okay. um, kids in psychology classes. And it's interesting that um, they can relate to some of the things I talk about, like having a mood disorder or feeling I'm perfectly fine, but weeks I have energy and, and then weeks I have low energy. So some of them talk to me because they want to see, like get advice if they should seek out treatment or, or go get an exam done by, be seen by a doctor and get evaluated. Um, and the best, and this is like, this is, I guess, for most things, but the best process in um, finding out is finding out early. You know what I mean? Like, if you know that there's something wrong with you and you find out early, then you're able to protect yourself from it getting worse or later on. Later on. Like, if I would have known what I was experiencing is bipolar disorder, then I would have probably looked for treatment. And I just thought it was just something that 
everyone goes through. And I felt like I went to college, I graduated, and I held, I held on a job, I lived on my own, like I was productive. I didn't think that there was something wrong, but I did feel like something was off, but I didn't think it was a mental illness. Yeah, I thought, exactly. I, I thought it was just like me being in denial of who I am and suppressing my sexuality. In the back of my head, I felt like maybe that's what's not right and not clicking. And it's interesting because you know, sometimes you meet people and you, um, you know, that, that saying they say you meet people for a reason or for a season or a lifetime. Yeah. So yeah. I met, I met someone and I was 20, I think I was like 28 or turning 29 and I never, I've was, I never been in love and I met someone and there was just like this click like something happened and when i met this guy and i i felt like he he was a gay guy and i felt like he was cool like he was working he was a dj and he was living his life and i was like intrigued by that but he right. he was also in a relationship and i was like i'm not going to be with someone that's in a relationship like it's not um it's not fair to me and it's not fair to the other person so i didn't sure. want to do anything because he was in a relationship but the interesting thing is i didn't have that same point of view when it was to men that were married to women i felt sad for those men so yeah. i i didn't like i didn't mind being involved with someone that was married to a woman because i felt like he wasn't living his truth but i had a problem if it was a gay guy that had a boyfriend. I felt like, no, that's sure. someone that wants their cake and icing and I'm not doing that. But what right. was crazy is that he, because I met him and I felt this energy or whatever it was that I felt towards him, he was the reason when I had my psychotic episode, I came out, I said, oh, I met a great guy and he wants to marry me. And all this was just like delusional thinking, but I needed, he was like a catalyst. Like I needed to meet him to have a reason to be comfortable with saying that I am gay and this is, uh, I met someone and I want to be with them. And I mean, we're not friends because, you know, I, <laughs> this isn't, it's so mean, it's not funny, but like <laughs> I, I write, so I wrote a poem and I, dissed him in the poem and I CC'd all his friends and I sent the poem and I outed him. I outed him for wanting to cheat, but I told him he's too, like he could never have this. So I was such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like, so like, I felt like I was so, when I realized what I did, I felt so bad. I was like, oh my oh, God, shit. I can't believe this. <laughs> and it's like, I, I like, I really wish I could apologize to him and make it better. But I saw him afterwards and it was just, it was just too complicated and messy that like, um, and I talk about it in the book, but like, I really wish that he got to know how I really felt. And it wasn't what he thought. I was in a delusional state right. of mind and I did something stupid. Um, and th that was very embarrassing for me because I think the next year Mariah Carey came out with the song Obsessed. So like, she, um, um, 
Oh, uh, the, with this other song called Get Up Out My Face. And she goes, she sings something about, um, I CC'd all your friends, go back to your mama's house, or something like that. And that's what I said to him <laughs> um, before that song. So um, it's just, it's like, life is so funny because you just never know with the people that you meet what comes out of it. Right. You know, you could be inspired or you could go down a really crazy path. You can start a podcast if you meet some random other dude on Discord. I mean, that's <laughs> just, how, just how it works. It's it's incredible. You know, the world, I will say, I, I mean, the internet has, has definitely spawned some problems, but uh, I mean, there's a flip side always. It, it spawned a lot of problems, but it's also made a lot of amazing things and, and, and the ability to make connections. And I mean, it's given us the opportunity to start a podcast. It's given us the opportunity to speak to people like you who have all these incredible stories to share. And like, Without it, we'd just be sitting at home twiddling our thumbs. So, so I mean, it, it's great. I would still have a podcast, but with my kids' stuffed animals. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, I would tune in for that. Uh, I, I, I'm just going to put that out there. Um, so, do, do you feel uh, – so, obviously, Jordan isn't as very accepting being predominantly uh, uh, Muslim – do you feel America is better and more accepting as a whole? I think that there's still a lot of ignorance in the world wherever you go, because the interesting thing is when I went to Jordan in 2016, my brother got married out there and his, his brother-in-laws took me to an underground gay bar in Jordan. What? And they were so, I didn't tell them. I think they caught on, but I didn't tell them. And they were like, David, just so you know, the owner of this bar likes men. So they were saying he's gay. And I think they were trying to make me comfortable, but I still wouldn't tell them about myself because my brother was like, don't tell anyone you're gay, please, until we get back to New York. Because, you know, you don't know what would happen out there. And um, it was interesting because I met so many open-minded people out there that were saying, live your life. And they were more liberal. And I was shocked because I didn't anticipate that going to Jordan. And then now here in the States, you think that, oh, America is land of freedom and opportunity and all this great stuff. But the ignorance is still there. Mm-hmm. And there's some parts of the United States where it's like, it's crazy that like, especially with transgender people, like it's sad. Yeah. These killings that are happening. And um, so I think that if we, no matter which way you slice the pie, it's always going to be uneven and not fair. And I read a quote that said, life is fair because it's unfair to everyone. And when I read that, I was like, wow, that's really deep. Like, life really is unfair to everyone. And that's why it's fair, because you just, you have to take what you get and make the best of it. And you know that that saying where they're like, when life gives you lemon, make lemonade. Well, I mean, it's not so easy to make lemonade out of lemon um, when, when life is been, because there are moments in my life when I think about like, how hard it was or the things that I went through. And there were times I had, I was just like, I felt like I just didn't want to be here anymore. 
I felt like I just, I like suicide was the answer, but I have a niece that was born deaf and I would always think about her. And I'm like, she has to live her life with this disability that she has. And what kind of example am I setting up for her if I do that to myself? Like life gets hard, so you just end it. No, that's not the answer. You have to keep striving, keep pulling through, and eventually things get better. And I've learned that life is just a roller coaster because it's up and down. And yes. you know, it's just on. It's just you're on this journey, and you have to make the best of it. And even when you don't want to, you still like it's like it's like a job. You know how some days you just don't want to go to work, but you yep. still got to go to work to make that money to live a productive life and to have things that you want. So it's like, I look at it, like I look at life as I look at having a job. You don't always want to go, but you have to go. So life isn't always fun, but you have to get through the shitty days for some happy days. Exactly. Exactly. And I, ever since I met Josh though, over there, I've had a, I've been at a constant down though. So I don't know if (laughs) (laughs) it's like we were both like we were both at our highs, like saying how how high how's everything going, and as we kept hanging out, we were just like rolling downhill. (laughs) So we beat the rock bottom. (laughs) Oh, I'm just playing. Um, Damn, you guys are hilarious. Thank you. (laughs) That's yeah. That's that man. I like that. Really makes you, know, me happy. So, you know, so interesting. Most of my interviews are very serious, but this is such a relief because you have that comic relief going on. And it's like, it's it's heavy stuff that I'm talking about being Middle Eastern and gay and sure. bipolar disorder. Absolutely. But it's always great to be able to sit back and just laugh at yourself sometimes. And, and I, yeah. I hope, I hope by, by, any, by no means at all necessary, are we trying to minimize the, the severity of the situation? Or oh, no, like no, 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 no. No, yeah, no, definitely yeah. not. Yeah. I mean, Josh, no, yeah. looks, Josh looks like he's intolerant, but he's not. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's the beard. And, and I will say it's only because of working for seven years at Disney and making you shave every day of your life, unless you take a vacation to grow a proper beard. After a while, you're just like, I'm gonna let it grow. <laughs> yeah, but 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 David, I knew before our interview, I knew that you were gonna have a really good sense of humor because I read a lot of your reviews on your book, and uh, people were saying that. It's funny. It's sad. It's it, it brought out. So well, that, that, that's emotions. a real good way to avoid not reading a book there, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh, Josh, go ahead and tell me your favorite, your favorite part then. Uh, oh, easily. Shut the hell up. The biography. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, Josh likes to put me in goddamn corner. Totally kidding. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but so, I, 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 yeah, I do want to ask real quick: if you were to like have have your book be made into a movie, who would you want to play you, or would you want to play you yourself? Know, you know, it's so funny. I was I was asked that before, and I thought about it. I'm like, who, who, who would I want? <laughs> um, and I honestly, I'm actually that's what I'm working on next is turning it into a screenplay. But nice. I think I would want to play myself. Actually, that'd be awesome. Well, I you did. You think did. It would you did theater and stuff. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, that would be really cool. I, I would. Uh, I'd be very interested. So, what, what kind of like 
How, how big of a play? Like super theatrical production or? No, I, I would want to turn it into a screenplay. So like, um, like a drama movie for sure. Like a, yeah, like a movie, a drama. And um, I feel like it's because the, I, I feel like I would add things I didn't add in the book into the movie. Um, because there's just, I talk about like having, um, a girlfriend in high school and I kind of didn't really talk about how she was an inspiration for me or some of her struggles, but she was very upset when she read the book because she felt like she didn't like the way she was portrayed, but I didn't talk bad about her. I was just talking about how traumatic it was to be with her physically because I wasn't attracted to her. Right, right, and, right. And and she kind of felt like she she kind of was hurt by that. So she just I, took it the wrong way. Uh, she just took it the I wrong think, way. I for think, the, yeah. I uh, so I think I would just um, emphasize a little bit more of how she was an inspiration to me and um, talk about some of the struggles that she had because she grew up in foster care and she beat the statistics and went to college, became a nurse and is very successful. Um, But, you know, I talk about like the pressure I would feel like it was so, um, it was sometimes it was unbearable because I just didn't like being with her physically because it wasn't what I was attracted to. Yeah. So it was torturous, and I think that hurt her. So I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry for that, but it's it's my truth, and I told her I said I was just exactly. speaking my truth. Exactly, yeah. you got exactly. it. Exactly, do what you got. I mean, that's, that's your book. That's, Tell her oh, to write yeah. a book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's. I mean, yeah, that's you're being, and and that's that's the purpose is to tell your story as it was blunt to the point so somebody in a similar situation that you were in can read it and be like shit this is life-changing to me and boom that's what you're striving for and it never helps anybody to uh, well i mean in my opinion it really doesn't help people to sugarcoat things you really have to kind of sometimes just tell people straight up how things are for them to like get that realization like okay, yeah, this isn't, this isn't right. Or that's bad. Like, cause if you try to like beat around the bush, like, ah, they're okay with it. They just don't like it. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. It, it, it's a catch point too. Yeah. And, and also a point that, that I'll bring up too, is like the men that are, that are, you know, older and they're, they're living the lie and they're married and it's like, they're doing a disservice to their wife also because she's spending chunks of her life with somebody that's just not in it, you know? And yeah, it's, it's bad. Just so sad. It's, it's so sad. And I hate to say this, but I've met a lot. And when I mean a lot, I mean, I've, I've met a lot of married men that were married to women and they lived this life. And I just knew I never wanted to do that. I didn't want to have right. kids with someone that I really didn't want to be with and yeah. that I'm not living my truth with. So, I'm happy that I didn't, and believe me, there was a lot of pressure for me for me to get oh, married. Oh, I the Middle Eastern culture, and I would just say, "Oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready," and like, it's just I, I feel so fortunate that I don't have 
and people are, kids are a blessing, but I feel so fortunate that I didn't go down the path of getting married and having kids and just like doing that on the side because. You totally dodged a bullet, dude. Totally. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, especially because then you would be, you would be in a state of wanting to, to get out but now you're feeling like I need to stay. I got, you know, I, if I stay, it'll be better. The kid will have two parents that are together, but you're going to be, you would be miserable. And then that could rub off on your kid eventually too. And it's just, there's a lot that goes into that. That would be, that would be bad. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting. I, when I, when I came out, I went to an Arabic party called the Habibi party. It's a gay party in the city. So mm-hmm. it's for Middle Eastern gay men to come and celebrate and have a good time. So I went out and I went with a good friend of mine. And this guy um, w- wants to buy me a drink. And we talk a little bit and he gives me his number. So mm-hmm. my, my good friend, she's also Arabic. She, she was like, I think that was my cousin. I was like, really? She's like, yeah, but, you know, we really don't speak. And he was older. He was about, like, 10 years older than me. So um, I, I call him and I go on the date. And then I find out he's from the same community that's in Yonkers. And then what's even funnier is he finds out who he asks me, like, well, who's your dad? And I tell him who my dad is. And he's friends with my dad. And then he was like, oh, my God. He said, can you please, please keep this between us and you know he works for the church so he works for a church like that's how he makes his living working for a church and he and is i'm only laughing because, i mean it like, is <laughs> like he works for a church and he's like living this double life and condemning it too and and, and i'm like yo but you know what's so crazy he met he one of his cousins married a relative of mine so when I had another psychotic episode, I kind of told her he was gay. So then when I saw him, I said, listen, I have to tell you something. I told X, I told whoever um, that you were gay. He was like, what? I was like, I'm sorry, but like I had an episode. <laughs> and like, sorry, bro. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but like, it's not, it's not funny, but I can't. Like, you can't make this shit up. It's like, it's so funny. That's the <laughs> thing with mental illness. Like, I have to take my medication. I'll have a side, yeah. like, I'll have a psychotic episode. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I guess it's safe to say, everyone, do not tell David your secrets. Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you piss yeah. him off or not, you never know, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> That's, um, that's funny. That's that's funny as hell. Um, okay, we are going to take the quickest of breaks, guys, uh, and we're going to come back with our mindless segment. So hold on, just one second, everybody. Thank you for staying tuned in to the Mindless Morning Show. We hope you're enjoying another fun-filled episode, and would love to hear from you. If you're listening, be sure to follow us and leave a review. If you're on YouTube, please like, comment, subscribe, and click that notification bell to be alerted anytime a new episode drops. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of your show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We're still here with David. He didn't run away. We wouldn't let him, but uh, he tried. 
No, I'm just playing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, before we ask our stupid mindless questions that are just really dumb, uh, Josh actually had a really good question that we thought of at the break. Josh? Yeah. Uh, so you, you mentioned that, like, you, you're really against the, the stigmatisms that are against the, the, the gay culture and, and things like that. And, and how, how do you feel that affects you? And, like, what do you see could be done to change it? I think what for me, um, like for instance, if I'm going to go on a date with someone and a lot of people always tell me, oh, no one needs to know you have bipolar disorder. It's none of no one's business. And that would bother me because it makes me feel like I need to be shameful of something. And I'm mm -hmm. not ashamed of having mental illness. So I'll go on a date and I'll tell them on the first date, by the way, I have bipolar disorder. And they're so either going to run away. They're either going to run away or not. And I realized whoever is going to date me or want to be in a relationship with me, whether I tell them the first date or if I tell them six months later, they're either going to be with me or they're not going to be with me if I tell them day one or six months later. Exactly. So it, it, it's important for me to know that I want to be around people that I could be comfortable with myself and be open and honest. I don't want to be with someone I have to tippy tan around my toes and, you know, just have something lingering like I have to tell them eventually. And mm -hmm. for me, it's better to just be honest. Like when you make a friend, and I've noticed this, whenever you make a new friend, it's like you just click and you connect and you laugh and you're honest. She but does. for some strange reason, when it comes to someone you like, it's like you, like somebody once told me, oh, when I met my wife, she met the representative of me when we first met. So yeah. she didn't really meet him until, and I, and I always find that to be so interesting. Like, why are we so comfortable when we make friends to be open and honest, but when it's someone we're dating and it's because we want to be liked and we want to seem perfect and all this other crazy stuff. So yeah. for me, fighting the stigma and being honest with myself is very important um, because at the end of the day, all we really have is just relationships with people, with your friends, your family, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, whoever, like that's all that we're all on this journey and we just have different relationships and why not have them be authentic and exactly. real. And, and, and I could really appreciate that, especially because that, that speaks volumes about your character. And it's funny that you mentioned that because my wife probably wouldn't have ever talked to me had the, her friends not tell her that they thought I was a French guy because they one time heard me speaking French to some other person. <laughs> and so, like, when we started dating, she's like, you don't seem French. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> and so it, it all came out, and I was like, no, not at all. And I was like, wait, does that change anything? She's like, a little. A little. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. A little less attracted to you now. Yep, yep. So. Yeah, well, you know, and, funny, and two things come to my mind with, with this, this subject. Day, day one, you say this about yourself. I think it's a really good thing, and here's why. Because it also speaks volumes about their reaction. Because you're saying something that most people don't want to say, but you're saying it with, you know, confidence and, Hey, I just want to let you know this about me. And you can get that body language too. You can be like, 
Bingo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. It can tell you a lot about them and if they're, how they're thinking about what, how this is going to go, this yeah. relationship is going to be something that's going to be like a quick fling, or is it going to be something that could be big? And saying something like that can tell you maybe how they feel about you from like first, like first starting out, you know, like if yeah. they're like, Oh wow. Like, tell me more about that. Like I'm genuinely interested. I don't, because a lot of people don't know much about it at all. So it could, it could really go, you know, and, and I, I will say in defense of, maybe wearing the mask for a little bit. I would say like, fellas, let's not like fart around our new dates though. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that they need to we, learn to love the smell. Yeah, but that's the thing, Josh. You're going to wake a, up or go to bed with it it's, every it's night. A, it's a fine line, bro. You sit down at a nice, sit down at a nice Italian restaurant. And you're like, Hey there, it's so great to finally meet you. So yeah, I was just like, they're gonna be like, "What the hell? No, don't don't have any broccoli on the date." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, uh, man, broccoli farts are some gnarly ass farts. I'll tell you what. <laughs> well, if uh, if that wasn't a good enough segue to get into our mindless shit, I don't know what was. It what is? So I'm gonna ask you some stupid mindless questions if that's cool with you. Very cool. Uh, I. I it's usually a lot of fun because you have no idea what I'm about to ask you. Absolutely no idea. This is my favorite part, the anticipation. So when, when's the last time you've dusted a ceiling fan? Uh, dusted a ceiling fan? Yeah. I, I forget to do it a lot. Like, I know that that's a thing. You're supposed to, like, dust it every At so Nick's often. house, they just, they're magically dusted when he comes home from work. So he, he doesn't think about it. <laughs> I think the last time I dusted a ceiling fan would have to be at my sister's house uh, maybe like three years ago, actually. Okay. Right around on. around the holidays. Oh, yeah, yeah. The deep clean before like a yeah. big gathering and stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah. That, that makes sense. Um, have you ever like performed a magic trick? Um, do you know that trick with the with your thumb, like you can make it look like you oh. are losing a finger. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. When you're yeah. and you put your thumb around it. Uh, yeah. I think I did that to my <laughs> nephew. That was like my nephew's like three years old, so I did that to him like like two months ago. <laughs> He's like, "What the hell, dude?" I did a magic trick when I was like eight, eight or nine years old, and the trick required you to drop the deck of cards on the ground and act like you made a mess a mistake, and then you pick them up, and then you picked up the card. <laughs> That was in the fucking rules to do that. Oh, man. <laughs> and it's like, step four, drop deck of cards and apologize. When you've done this, collect the card that you know that they had in their hand and then place it at the bottom side of the deck. Yo, you had fucking janky genie's fucking magician book or something. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? I, dude, I loved magic. Like, I was all about it as a kid. Like, I had, like, these little sets and shit. I used to go to these shows and, like... But still to this day it fascinates me i love it i love the sleight of hand and the the technique it takes so yeah so if a prof- imagine if like a professional vegas magician dropped his deck of cards i'm walking out <laughs> i'm walking out 
<laughs> if they don't oh, light sorry, on fire. Folks. Sorry, folks. <laughs> Hold on one minute. They're not smoking or are on fire by the time they hit that floor. It ain't magic. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So, Thank you, Jeannie. Uh, so, wow, that sounds like a good ad we can do. All right. Uh, all right I, I, need, I need to get my head back to what we're doing. Holy shit, I'm having fun. This is the dumbest uh, thing you've done as a kid. Okay, yeah, good, 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 good one. What's the question? The what, dumbest what, thing you've done as a kid yeah. that you couldn't The think. dumbest thing I did as a kid was I was having a fight with my cousin, Linda. So I decided to put on my favorite shirt to fight her. <laughs> so I put on my favorite shirt and I go back to like fighting her and she rips my shirt. I was like, you ripped my favorite shirt! <laughs> <laughs> so wait you were fighting her you stopped yeah. got your favorite shirt <laughs> yeah <laughs> dude that's amazing i love this what was the thought I process behind that <laughs> i'm gonna look good kicking your ass i thought if i put on my favorite shirt i would win the fight <laughs> <laughs> dude uh, that is so good I, I like love it. that. I love that. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, holy shit. What's the longest you've gone without sleep? Which might actually be kind of related to having bipolar. I think uh, three days was the longest. Oof. What was that? I God. That was, I was that you, when you were you. taking Adderall, though? No. That was during the psychotic episode. The second one that I had, I didn't sleep for three days. Holy I slept. Shit. I slept maybe two minutes. Wow! Wow! It was crazy. It was wild. Because I know, Holy like, crap. with Adderall being like basically legal meth, I know, like, I wouldn't be sleepy on it. Like, <laughs> it makes you think you're Superman. Try yeah. drinking with that. It's crazy. You go. And, oh my god! You're just like. It's the best. I thought I had superpowers. <laughs> right? You ever seen that movie Limitless? Yeah. Oh, okay. So Limitless with uh, the one guy from The Hangover. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Brad, no, not Brad Paisley. That was dumb. Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Bradley Cooper, yes. Yeah. Um, he, that, that basically, it's like about a little pill that literally make unlocks like a majority of your brain. And honestly, that's what Adderall and drinking felt like it did for me. <laughs> for me <laughs> um so, so aside from uh dominican republic where's a good place you like to vacation um i went to puerto rico a few times that was nice um i went to paris when i was 39 i want to go back there oh, wow. um and actually jordan was beautiful to visit and I, I've been to Turkey, um, where else? Costa Rica. Uh, I think my, I heard Miami. I haven't been to Miami in a while, but I heard it got very trashy. So yeah. I, oh. I used to like going to Miami, but <laughs> oh, I heard Florida's it's pretty trashy. trashy. <laughs> Josh is from Florida. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm born and raised in Florida, so it's pretty trashy. We're, we're crackhead, home of the crackhead energy here. <laughs> yeah. You got bath salts, we'll eat your face. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. Um, are you, would you prefer Chinese food or Mexican food? Ooh, that's a great question. Oh, that's a good question. I know, that's uh -huh. a toughie. That that is probably a tough a, one. It's probably a mood thing, though. Honestly, no, because now you gotta like really like dissect it. You gotta think: 
do I want sushi or do I want burritos? Do I want tacos or do I want tempeh? I I think I think I eat more Chinese food than I do Mexican, but I love Mexican food. Um, But I probably would pick Chinese. Yeah, me too. I'm 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 a Chinese cat. I'm a white guy, guys, but I'm I prefer Chinese. Huh? You look a Chinese. Thank you. I'm working on it. I don't know. I don't know how you work on it, but you know, whatever. I, I, I gotta uh, say that I would have to choose Mexican food. I, I'm not a big fan of, of Chinese food. My wife loves Chinese food, and there we have this place called Taco China, and it's they have both basically Chinese Mexican. So I get like these fried rice stuffed burritos with like a bunch of other shit. That's actually really good. <laughs> that sounds. That sounds good. I think if you wrap anything in a tortilla, I'll eat it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, jo- Josh even admitted on air that he would eat human flesh. Yeah, oh, wow. 100%. I don't know if I could do that. I mean, when times are tough, you, you just gotta. Yeah, but we didn't even preface it with the tragedy of the world. You were just like, you know, if it was cooked and it was like, that's accurate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't say like we didn't say like everything is dead and destroyed. You had to choose to do it. You're just like I'm doing next- it, human. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll do it next week. Whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> aside from me eating humans, um, do, do you happen to have any hidden talents? Anything? I can you? I can shake my shoulder really fast like a vibrator. Okay, whoa. I need to see this. Yeah, we we need to we see, this. see it. Can you see it? Oh, whoa! Why can you yeah. do that? Is it like a you like flex a muscle and it just does it? No, it's because I learned how to belly dance, so that was a part of um, what I learned as a kid. So when I belly dance, I in- implement that into my dance. <laughs> that looked so almost cool. like a muscle spasm. It looked like the internet was getting all weird. <laughs> you know, speaking cool. of dancing, I, I had meant, meant to mention it earlier in the, the conversation. I, I had seen you have one video on YouTube, and it's you dancing in Jordan to I'm Coming Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got some fucking moves, man. That's cool. I, I had so much fun doing that. I was like, I'm coming. And I remember um, when I put it on my social, social media, people in New York were like, no, you didn't. Because, you know, the flag is behind me. I'm like, yes, I did. Oh, yes. <laughs> you got to stick it to them, man. You got to tell them. Tell them you're here, that. you're queer, and you're happy. Happy. Absolutely. Um, Amen. <laughs> so when's the last time you rode a bike? A bike? Yeah, yeah mm. like a bicycle. I think maybe five years ago. Okay, that's not too bad. That's pretty good. I would say, damn, but that's probably about the same time for me. <laughs> now that I think about it, it's been a long time. I'd like to say I'm in shape, but rounds of shape. Yeah, I have to get back <laughs> into the gym. I, I'm kind of out of shape now. Yeah. Let me guess. I'm, Quarantine did that. Oh Yeah, like it was crazy. Yeah. You know what's so funny? I signed up the gym. A week later, they closed everything down. And now it's a year oh. later. And now it's a year uh. later. You can have, like, they, I think they let, you have to make appointments to get into the gym now because they can't have it open for full 
complete capacity. Yeah. But I'm going to, I have to start. Now, I heard something that might be offensive to, to some people, but obviously it, 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 I'm just going to, I'm just going to fucking say it. There is a, uh, somebody, I think it was a comedian, so it wasn't even me, but somebody had said that people that do not use the gym membership ever, they never use it. It's a, it's a, they call it their fat ass tax. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is fat ass tax? Now, hold on. I want to know about this. Am I missing out on some tax? No, <laughs> it's because <laughs> they're paying the membership but they never go. Uh, so they're like, you uh, pay the membership, you never go. I know I would never go. So the fat ass tax is, is the joke. It's the fat ass tax because you <laughs> you got, you pay it every month. You see it coming out of your account. You're like, oh, I'll go. You know, I'll go. Like, I'm a part of the fat ass tax club. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was for a while. And then uh, my wife and I, we had a, we got together and we, she got pregnant. I'm like, okay, well, I don't think I'm going to be going anytime soon. So I'm just going to, like, it's fine. I got love. You guys look so young. You're both married. Unfortunately. I am. You I am. your early 20s. Dude. Thank you so, so much. much. <laughs> Thank you so much. My knees I, are screaming right now and I've been sitting down and I'm just <laughs> so happy to hear that. <laughs> when, when we were in DR, we went to a club. So, I sit down and then my friend comes over. I was like, no, my arthritis is starting. I can't get up. Yeah, man. Right? <laughs> I totally understand. <laughs> I'm uh I'm going on 68 now. Um no. <laughs> yeah. no, Nick I, found uh, the fountain of youth. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out toilet water. Has to be used. It's rough, but you can Used to it, man. Oh. Now, I, I turned thirty in, in uh, this past July, but I've got three kids, and Josh is twenty eight. He's got one. So yeah, oh wow. Yeah, I've got a nine year old, a four year old, and a three year old. Wow. God yeah. bless. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Much appreciated. But um, man, I gotta say, it, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you. Like I, I, I'm very fortunate of the time that you have taken out of your day to, to spend with Me us too. and talk to us. And most importantly though, I want to make sure that, you know, whatever you have to say to our listeners, like whatever kind of message you want to spread to our listeners, the world, like. Here's your- well, I think, I think whoever's listening, they should ask themselves this question. Do you want to live to be yourself or die as someone else? And it's important. I think in life, we only have one life to live that you live your truth and that you're comfortable and happy with who you are as a person. And it doesn't really matter if you stick out like a sore thumb, living your truth will bring such more. like, like, I can't explain how much meaning life has now that I'm living my truth as opposed to when I was suppressed and in denial and hiding and in the closet and not living my truth. I found that you can live your truth and be loved and accepted. And if people have an issue with you, then they're not meant to be in your life anyway. Exactly. Um, and um, uh, my book, if anyone's interested, is in barnesandnoble.com and on Amazon. It's how I lost my mind and found myself. And if you want to contact me, you can get to my webpage at davidravati.com and 
David, D-A-V-I-D. Rabadi is R for rabbit, A for apple, B for boy, A for apple, D for David, I for ice.com. And, and it's been it's been such a pleasure speaking with both of you. I think oh, you guys are hilarious, very talented, and I really enjoyed this interview. Well, thank oh, you. That, that, that means a lot. Um, that just makes me feel like I just want to go tell people like I'm successful and shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, don't don't go start lying because somebody said something good. Okay. <laughs> um, no, and for our listeners and viewers, y'all know the same thing is always. Uh, links are always in the description, and if you need to reach out to David, do so. He's here. He's he's awesome. People, you could definitely uh, talk to him. It is uh, it has been absolutely great talking to you, David. Um, I I definitely look forward to. Uh, Hopefully you, you make that book a screenplay and uh, get it get it working out so we can go uh, watch it. And I already and I already told him that Josh, you're going to be the intolerant redneck. Yes. <laughs> he's like he's like I'm down. I can play. It. I, mean, I know I have the look. So like and you know I kind of want to get into acting. Why not? <laughs> you go to your first voice, role. Right? Your first role is being a total douchebag. Uh, I mean, fuck it, dude. I'll take whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood's gonna make me look like a douchebag no matter what I play. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> oh yes, you guys are awesome. Thank, Thank you, you, man. Thank you. You're welcome to come back anytime you want. I can come up Thank with you. dumbass questions all day. We could just shoot the shit and drink beer. Yeah, if uh, you write another book, if you do another, sh- or if you get that screenplay going, or if you just want to shoot the shit, we are here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome, man. Thank you so very much. And everybody remember, share this interview, do what you got to do. Let's get David's story out there because it's really fucking important. Like really. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, if you listeners are happening to suffer from some type of mental illness or some disorder to some degree, and you don't feel comfortable talking, Mm -hmm. there are numbers. There are people to talk to. There are plenty of things, resources out there for you. And us. Yeah, and us. I mean, if you want mindless advice from us, I don't suggest it, but we will give it. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the title of the show is a disclaimer. Yeah, so, <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, there, there, there's resources out there for you in all seriousness, and, and we, we do hope that you use them, utilize them, because it's not going to – I don't want to say you're a bad person and it's going to make you a better person, but it's going to help you cope. And and continue proceeding down your path with a clearer conscience. Exactly. So, and with that said, stay mindless. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in to the Mindless Morning Show. We hope you enjoyed it, and we greatly appreciate you guys picking us out of the many great podcasts out there. Now go enjoy your mindless day.